This podcast is intended for mature audiences and could be triggering to some. Please use discretion while listening. Leaving a narcissistic relationship is likely to be one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Narcissists depend on their supply, the people they emotionally, financially, and psychologically drain. They need someone to abuse and manipulate to fulfill their needs and to constantly prove to themselves they are better, stronger, and smarter than everyone else. Through the love bombing, the gaslighting, and the constant battles, you'll already be exhausted, so leaving an abusive relationship with a narcissist is tough. But it is possible as long as you trust your gut have firm boundaries, and keep reminding yourself why you need to walk away. Here are five things you need to know to make sure you can get out of a potential dangerous situation and what to do to finally leave the abusive narcissist behind forever. Number one, don't give them one more chance. If the narcissist isn't ready for you to leave yet, they will probably turn on the waterworks and plead with you telling you how sorry they are. You shouldn't risk giving them another chance to hurt you again. They've proven to you time and time again that the cycle of abuse will repeat itself. You need to believe that. Number two, don't tell them you're leaving. You shouldn't tell a narcissist you want to end the relationship right away. This might seem counterintuitive, but the toxic person will absolutely follow one of two things. They will either start love bombing you to keep you emotionally trapped in the relationship through trauma bonding or their behavior will become even more poisonous and potentially damaging to your overall wellness, physical safety, or reputation. Sometimes all three. This is why it's best to make a plan to leave without the narcissist knowing about it. Number three, don't believe their flattery. Narcissists try and use their extreme flattery or more abuse to keep a victim from leaving. The ultimate goal is to create an environment where the target of the abuse feels that they don't have a choice in leaving because the relationship has suddenly become everything they ever wanted or they are too worn out and fearful to leave. But you do have a choice. Remember that things can always be better and you deserve someone who doesn't play with your emotions daily. Number four, reconnect with family and friends. Abusive narcissists want to cut you off from your family and friends, so you may not have seen some of the people who you were closest to for quite some time. The narcissist may have turned you against them by spreading fear and lies because they didn't want you spending time with anyone else. The important thing to remember is to not be embarrassed and scared of how your family and friends will react to seeing you again. You'll be surprised at how many people may have suspected the abuse and how much they may have wanted to help you, but they didn't know how. Number five, don't just leave, stay away. When you've left, you may be tempted to go back when the reality sets in. Our brains are good at making us remember all the good times and blocking out all the bad after a breakup, and leaving a narcissist is no different. It's not just about leaving, it's making sure you stay away. Be very aware that all the good times you had with them that made you convinced of their potential were probably all lies. The problem is nobody is 100% bad, and a narcissist is great at pretending to be good. I'm Rachel Metacroft, and this is It Doesn't End Here.
I have to get on the plane back from Oklahoma, back to LA, knowing, you know, I just spent a week, eight day, eight, nine days with you away from him, away from that energy, away from all the drama and the stress. And I never felt so good. That was just my my last confirmation of like, I know if I leave, this is how I will feel all the time. So I did. I, I got on the plane. I had all my thoughts, feelings, and emotions you know, going through me. Didn't know what was going to happen. But all that I knew was that I had to go back and end this immediately. If I lingered on it, you know, he would have maybe convinced me otherwise not to do so or would have said something. So I was like, I just have to go back and do it. I landed really late on at night and then, you know, pretty much just got picked up, went home, went to bed, woke up. I guess he just sensed, you know, something was off. Um, we started just running some errands and I was just silent. Uh, I, I really just didn't have the words quite yet. And he was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, let's just go run these errands and we'll talk when we get back. All I remember saying is like, I can't do this anymore. And what's funny is that I think he knew what I was talking about, but like his response was him thinking that I was talking about the business. He was like, this is what he said. He was like, yeah, I know. I'm, I know. I just, I can't do this anymore either. It's really stressful. Like I was like, no you don't understand. I don't want to be with you. He thought I was talking about the business being stressful. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm breaking up with you. You know, it took him a little bit to come to those terms of realize what was happening. But yeah, I just, I just, what I said, and we talked a little bit and then it kind of, you could tell it was setting in more and more for him. What was he saying to you? You know, like what terms was he trying to come to? Oh my gosh. Honestly, I really don't remember. Um, I think it was a lot of, I know it wasn't accepted, like accepting. I know it was a lot of like, you know, like we're almost there and don't give up on me now. And you know, we've been through so much and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I don't really remember specifically. I just remember being in our room and doing that. And then what happened next was I was just, I wanted to end it, you know, cordially this time. (laughs) And I really wanted to stay strong and stay firm. And I, I think, you know, just as time went on for that day, it was weird because he was like kind of agreeing with me. After a while, he agreed that I needed to leave and he was helping me. And he even bought my plane ticket to go to Florida. And so it was kind of weird. It was so back and forth. I didn't end up leaving for like seven or eight days, but every single day was we talked about it and I wanted to get everything out that I wanted to say. He cried a lot. I cried initially at the beginning, but it was not tears of sadness. It was tears Tears of joy. It was tears of emotional release of like, weight off my shoulders. It was, it was just adrenaline leaving my body. It was not, I'm so sad. It was just like, thank God I finally did this, you know? So I did cry one time 
And then I just watched him cry for like five days. So he was on and off crying. Um, we, you know, we actually did like go to go to dinners and we like had our time together. I packed all my stuff, you know, every, you know, more and more every day. I obviously was flying. I have no car. So I, I was flying. And so I just had to pack, you know, two big suitcases, which was all I could take and pack the rest in boxes. So that was pretty much what I did for a week. And yeah, I mean, he just, there were times where he would cry and he'd be like making, kind of making it all about him. Obviously he was like, what am I, what is my life? What am I doing with my life? I have to start over now. Like, <laughs> you know, all that stuff oh that God, tries please, to like please. trap you make you feel guilty that oh yeah doing, girl. he you know? was laying it on thick he was trying to guilt trip you for sure oh yeah yeah and then you know i had different reasons for leaving than what i was really saying like what i really wanted to say was like i know who you are now i see who you are now i've seen all the manipulation that you've done i've become aware of it and i and I really just wanted to say you're a piece of shit, but I didn't. And, you know, we told people, we told our friends and some people at the business that like, I was just leaving because I needed me time and I needed to figure out who I was. And like, that was whatever, I guess what we told people, even though I really wanted to say otherwise, but you know, I was still being nice. It seems like he was playing this sad, nice guy. Yeah, like he was just trying to play as nice as he possibly could, but also just turn it around on you as in, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. This is heartbreaking. How could you do this to me? How could you do this to us? Yeah. Were I know. you worried that he was going to freak out on you at any point? Yeah. I mean, this is like kind of a little bit where the like financial abuse was coming in. It was he did pay for the ticket. And I mean, at this point, Granny would have paid for my ticket, you know, so it wasn't about that. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, I was like, no matter what you do, I'm leaving. You could try to say anything you want, hold stuff against me, you know, anything. But I have already I already have so much support backing me. So there's no way I'm not leaving this time. So you packed your stuff. You packed a couple suitcases. You got your dog. And I left. Standing ovation, please. <sighs> yeah, like I said, I cried that one time, but it was just because I was just at my wit's end. There's so much emotional release, like I said. So the nice part was I, you know, got to live with Granny. I had not seen Granny in two and a half years. So that was a very that was an emotional reunion, you know. So I, I left really early in the morning and she picked me up at the airport. We just hugged and cried and cried and cried, you know, because of everything that had happened, plus not seeing each other. And my grandpa had passed away in the meantime. So it was just, it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of emotions. How did you feel when you were sitting on the plane and it took off and you knew that you were not only leaving California, but you were leaving Mr. Mm -hmm. Wannabe and you were leaving this crazy, emotional, abusive relationship that you've suffered through for over three years? You know, were you sad or were you excited when the plane took off? Okay. So I definitely was not sad, but, and I was excited, but honestly, I don't think everything had set in yet. 
a really, it wasn't like a, all right, the flip has switched and I'm, you know, like it's, there was still going to be a little bit of, of tie there. Like it wasn't a complete cut the cord sort of thing, but I knew I was like, I'm out. I knew I was never going back. Whenever I'd left, this is when a lot of the financial holding against me and abuse started to come in because when I left, you know, the business was still technically up and running and I was still technically owed, you know, that money, like I had said in in the past, um, in the previous episode. And I mean, I, I left with nothing, by the way, like I left with nothing, like $200 in my bank account, no car, just suitcases, you know, yet again, and my dog. So that is how I left. And while I didn't leave with so much material things or money, I left with myself, with my authentic self, with my self that I had worked so hard to find. And so while it was really hard, I wanted to leave with what I thought I deserved. All the shit that I had put up with, I had not been paid back for. I had not been compensated for. I had not been given any of that. So a part of me was like, I went through three years of hell and I walked away with nothing. But at the same time, I walked away with the most valuable thing you could have. And that is your true self, a strong, confident, you know, woman, person, There's not one single pro I could have put like on my pro and con list of like why I should stay. There was nothing, nothing. I mean, all cons. I remember when we were kind of making the plan for you to leave Mr. Wannabe when we were in Oklahoma together and I asked you, do you love him? (laughs) Are you in love with him or are you just with him because you have been scared to make the jump to leave and you flout out looked at me and you said, no, I do not love him. I I don't think I've ever been in love with him. In love. I mean, I can honestly say I don't think I was in love with him ever. It was trauma. Trauma bonding. It was trauma bonding. That is exactly what it was. You know, he from day one saw that you were very vulnerable. Yeah. And he used that against you. And you were then confusing your emotional trauma that you had kind of been burying for love. And with you being, you know, naive to the whole situation and kind of just being believing that this person wants the best for you and he's going to take care of you, you know, you really had no chance, I would say, because he has done this before. He is a professional manipulator. That's how he's made it so far in his career and how he's convinced people that he's this big shot guy in this industry in Hollywood when really he's nothing. You know, really he's just a broken man. Yeah. Even Granny will say, she's like, you were never in love with him. She was like, all those pictures you would send me, you never looked happy, you know? And it's true. I was... I agree. Like all your pictures, you looked beautiful, but you... Yeah. Didn't look that happy. You when you would smile, it like wouldn't reach your eyes and you just seemed always down.
So where was the financial abuse coming in? You know, what was the the string that was tethering you to him still? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Trauma is a catalyst. It provokes significant change in the lives of survivors, as well as in the lives of their caregivers. Join me, Carrie Rickert, on my podcast, Transformational Trauma and Healing, as our guests share their stories of trauma and the resources that have been beneficial to them. We will celebrate our guests' successes and learn from their struggles, adding tools to our trauma survival toolbox along the way. I was still owed that money. And so I was like, all right, I just have to keep on his good side yet again. And, you know, this these kind of people always want to have something over you. They will have something over you at all times, no matter no matter what it is. So our whole relationship, he had something over me at all times. And this was just another thing, even though I was gone, yet again, he still had me on this little, as a little puppet on his little strings, you know, he would still talk to me and call me like we were together. And I was like, dude, like we're not together. And I remember one time feeling very scared this one time, this is just how he was, but we were like on the phone. He like called me, we were talking just whatever, a casual conversation. And then I hung up and he said, I love you. And I just didn't say anything because I'm not going to say that. And he immediately texted me and he just freaked out on me and was like, you didn't say I love you. I'm done helping you. Like just went off about how he's not going to give me anything. And, you know, that's this. So then I got scared. So then I, you know, it was constantly like that. It was constantly hanging that over my head. If I did not act a certain way, say a certain thing, behave a certain way towards him, respond right away. He would constantly be like, hello, hello, hello. And I'm just like, that was, it was constant for months still. And I was like, I need this to happen because so I can cut this cord with this person. But it, yeah, it never did. But the funny thing is, is that he was holding money over your head, but honestly, he had no money. And so it's just very ironic to me that he constantly used you know, money as this motivating factor for you to be with him when he had none. Right. Yeah. It was, it's all an illusion. And like, yeah, you're right. It was just, it was just words. Like, it's not like he physically had that in his account where he could give me, it was like this invisible situation that was never going to come true. But yet I was still hoping that it would, um, you know, cause that was, that's like life changing money that I could have had. And like I said, I felt as though I deserved that. Like, how could I not deserve that after all the stuff that I went through? So that's just where I was. I was still just hanging on to that hope and belief that if I just be as nice as possible, yet I'm glad I'm far away because if I was right down the road, that would have been impossible. Um, so, you know, I'm glad I'm far away. And I'm just going to continue to be cordial. But those instances where he would threaten stuff was just insane. And, you know, but he got what he wanted. It did scare me and it didn't make me be nice to him. So that is something I like regret doing. 
I was so proud of you for leaving. I mean, this is all I could have asked for was for you to leave the situation. That's all I wanted for a couple of years. But then you left and then there was still this string between the two of you. So even though you were on the opposite coast and you weren't with him anymore, I knew that there was still a pull between the two of you and you were not fully done yet. That went on a couple months. You know, I moved in September. I immediately felt so much better. Like, I mean, there were some really hard times because, like I said, I leaving with nothing, having to rebuild. Luckily, I had built up so much freaking resilience and persistence and grit to being in the situations that I was in and surviving them that I was like, I, I know I can do it. Um, but it, it is hard. And I had my days, you know, I had my days where I would break down with granny and she would have to, you know, she's obviously very great at consoling and we would just have to talk to her. And like, we had so many long, hard talks and it was, it, it was a lot of hard days for sure. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they say leaving a, you know, a toxic, abusive, narciss- narcissistic relationship is kind of coming off a heroin addiction. You know, you're so used to the, drama and the stress. It's almost like when I didn't have it, I didn't know how to act. Like I didn't, I didn't know that I couldn't have stress in my life. It was weird not having stress. <laughs> so Wow. So you didn't know that you could have a calm and chill reality. You know, you had always just been such a stress ball over the past few years, just filled with anxiety um, about the business and about your relationship. And walking on eggshells, you know, you had no idea most likely that you could even have a stress-free life. Right. Right. And I was felt like I was like withdrawing. Not that I had any feelings that I wanted to talk to him or anything like that, but it was just, how do I live a normal stress-free life? While, you know, I, and I did have to, like I said, rebuild my entire life. I had to really focus on my business again after, you know, neglecting it, putting it on the back burner for the last two and a half years, you know, like dabbling in and out, but not hardcore like I should have been, you know, having my own thing. And so really got back into that, which made me super happy, obviously living with granny was fun at the beginning. (laughs) We had a lot of fun times at the beginning Then it kind of started to be like, all right, Granny, like I need to work. Um, No, (laughs) I just need to work. So I really started, you know, getting good routine. And um, luckily I had some friends already in Sarasota where I moved to and really got in with a good friend group. And we had group workouts. We went to the beach. And yeah, it was just, like I said, it was mostly good, but some dark dark times as well. Um, and especially being one foot in one foot out with my emotions with this person in the past, it was exhausting. It was so emotionally exhausting. Like I said, I, if I could have just cut that cord fully and not had that tie, it would have been so much better, but I, I again, let it continue for, you know, a couple of months. So what was the final straw that made you realize I'm never going to get this money. There is no money. No money is coming my way. I have got to just move on. The final straw was 
not until I think February, February or March. So obviously the funds, which I don't know, maybe they had come in, maybe some had come in. He was not going to just probably disclose, disclose anything that had happened. And the last draw for me was the business again, was able to apply for a PPP loan from the government, from, you know, everything going on and, the business needed money and he was like, okay, like I'm going to re- apply for this. It's going to be six, a six figure loan. And if it comes through, you know, you'll be paid back pretty much. And that was the case for a while. You know, he told me that it got, he told me that he had to do it a couple of times because the banker needed more information. So it didn't go through. And then that kind of drug out for a couple of weeks. And then the final straw was just like, it got denied. And it got denied three times. And I was just like, this is not going to happen. It's not. Kayla, wake the fuck up. Pull yourself together. Let this go and move on. And that was the final straw for me. I was just like, the only reason I'm talking to this emotionally exhausting, toxic person who just ruins my day pretty much every day is because of this money. And now it's not coming. So bye. Like I'm not talking to you anymore. And then after that, it kind of just, I, I ghosted pretty much. I, you know, I, I haven't, he has texted me a couple of times, haven't responded for a good long while and it feels, yeah, amazing. You know, for women out there that you know, as as much as my situation was kind of bad, it was also great for me because of the distance that I was able to put between myself and him, you know, literally across the country. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. not every woman has that um, situation. And I feel like, like we've talked about the last time it takes a woman seven times to try to leave a relationship. And when you don't have anywhere to go, or you're just going down the road, or you're just going down the next city. It's it's hard, and luckily for me, I was able to like if I saw him, it would have had to been like get on a plane or him get on a plane. You know what I mean? So it was just not going to happen. Which, by the way, he said multiple times. I think I told you this. He was like, "I'm going to move to Florida." I was like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, no, stay away. Like, of course he's not, because of course he's like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go here and I'm buying a house here. I'm just like, yeah, you can't pay me back the money that you owe me. Like, shut up. (laughs) So again, with him just not living in reality, I mean, yeah, I don't understand how he can live his life that way and think that opportunities and money and all these things are just going to like fall out of the sky. You know, I just... (laughs) I don't understand how he is able to live his life like that every I'm day. like, how much you have to like backtrack. Like you say so much and then you have to be like, and you backtrack and then you say so much and then you have to backtrack. Like, why not just not say it? So that would mean every single thing that he says is a lie. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he might believe it's true because he's a soci- sociopath. I don't, I don't know. But deep down, he has to know. Yeah, he's lying to himself as well. He's not only just lying to you, but he's lying to himself about the reality of his situation that he's currently in. 
yeah, I, I wonder with people like that, that it's like, is he fully aware and conscious of what he's doing and he knows what he's doing and he doesn't care? Or is it like he actually says it and thinks it's happening? You know what I mean? <laughs> as much as he's said all the stuff that he said, as many times as he says it, said it, like I said, I would just, I would stop engaging and just be like, glaze over and be like, I don't want to talk about anything that's not happening. <laughs> Can we please talk about what is happening? I mean, it was just insane. After a while, I was just like, I wouldn't even speak. Like if he, we like, you know, in groups or anything, we'd be out and he would just talk. And I would just, like my sister said in her interview, like, I would just look at him and be like, are you really saying this right now? Like, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. It will never happen. You know what? I couldn't say that. So ever since then, I have been the happiest person I have ever been after cutting that cord. I mean, yeah, you you are definitely in a better place, but let's be a little bit more real about it. You know, you have definitely had some struggles since you left and let's talk about those. What's your biggest struggles since you've left him, you know, to give women an idea of the afterlife of leaving an abusive partner, narcissist, sociopath, whatever the terms may be for the partner that they're with. What is it like after they, after you left? Yeah. It's starting over. And like I said, I put my business and brand on the back burner for so long that now I feel like I'm three years behind because I'm put it on the back burner for three years. So as much as I think where I should be, I'm not because, you know, and I have to constantly tell myself over and over and over, like you weren't fully working on this hardcore hundred percent as much as you could have the last six years. I've been doing this for six years, but you know, two, three of it was hardcore. And then two, three of it has not been hardcore. So like in my mind, it's been six, seven years, but really I'm like three, four years in. So it's, that's hard, you know, rebuilding, um, Honestly, just financially has been the hardest. I think emotionally, which then in turn sucks emotionally too, but I now have the obviously the tools and practices that I do when I like when my mind and my mentality really weighs on me. I have, you know, I have dark days. I have really really good days. Like I would say 95% are great and then like that 5% is really what you really <laughs> focus and hone in on. But yeah, I I would say I'm just so mad at myself because my brand and my business and what I do is like my passion and I love it so much. And I, I wish I just would have kept doing it and I would be farther along and I would be able to help so many more people with what I'm doing. And when I left, I couldn't go get an apartment or pay rent or get a brand new car or like not even a brand new car, a new car or I couldn't get a lot of things that a 30 year old should be able to get (laughs) because of the situation that I just came from and how it derailed me and backtracked me so much. So I would just say like the rebuilding aspect has been hard. I mean, I'm definitely climbing way, I know better than I was, but that's, that's been the hardest for me for sure. All right, Kate, it's time for some tough questions. If you had to give yourself advice, 
for the very beginning of your relationship with Mr. Wannabe when you first met him, what would it be? Well, the first and probably most obvious is don't ignore red flags or blow them off as, you know, oh, maybe that was just a a bad night or he's in a bad mood because of his job or something. Like if there's multiple red flags, just really cut it right then. Trusting your instincts, trusting your gut. If something does not feel right, it is probably not right. There's probably no excuse for that. If it's if it does not feel good in your soul, like just don't trust it. And third, never let a man say he'll take care of you. I think you need to be a strong, confident, independent, independent yet, you know, wanting to have a relationship um, and just never letting anyone have that control over you. And don't let men be like, quit your job. I'll take care of you. Have kids. I'll, we'll take, I'll take care of you. You know, like do you first and foremost, be that strong, solid, you could withstand a hurricane. You know, if, if anything were to happen, like I always say, like, you need to be like a strong post in a hurricane as opposed to a dandelion in a hurricane. Like you need to be able to stay strong first and foremost, and then let someone else in, you know, you know, and choose someone as opposed to needing someone. How do you think this situation has shaped you and how are you different now than you were when you first moved to California? I moved to California for a bunch of different reasons that I did not leave with when I left. I moved out there for fitness. You know, I felt like I'd reached my peak in Oklahoma and I was like, I just needed a new experience. I was escaping a lot of things. I was trying to run from a lot of things and I was, you know, trying to pursue things. I wanted to pursue modeling and fitness and, and get in that space. And what I found was I had to confront a lot of things. I had to confront a lot of demons from my past that that's, I guess that's the reason I had to get to California. I don't know if I would have ever done that in Oklahoma. You know, the one benefit I would say I got from this whole story in the the three years was he did make me see that I needed to work on a lot of things on myself and be more conscious and aware of my feelings and emotions. And I didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to have like a confrontation without it leading into an argument I was just so unaware of all of my actions. It was just crazy looking back now and being like, how was I even living, surviving like that? Just going throughout my day to day like that, just so disassociated from myself and disconnected. So the you know, past four years, three, four years I was in California, I would say I went wanting materialistic fame, success, recognition, whatever. And I left with like, you know what? I don't need all that. I just need myself and I need to be at peace with myself. And I needed to work on a lot of things, which I did. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm such a different person now. I feel like I grew, I feel mentally 40, but I'm, you know, 31, but I feel like I just grew so much by everything that I went through. 
I obviously wish that you had not had to go through this whole experience um, because it was very difficult for you, for me, for your family, for everyone involved. It was very high emotions. But since we can't take it back and we're going to try to look on the bright side of things, what is something that this whole scenario, this whole situation that you lived through, if you had to say it would benefit you or prepare you for the future, what would it be? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you the type of person who wants to learn more about bettering their mental health as a teen or parents of teens, but get easily distracted like me? My name is Philemon and I'm the host of The Brief Dive. It's a podcast that provides brief tips from self-help advice to scenarios of change from a teen perspective. And yes, for those who do prefer the occasional deep philosophical dives, also like me, we've got those episodes for you too. Nobody's left out. So what are you waiting for? Head to thebriefdive.buzzsprout.com and subscribe to join the Dive family. See you soon. Yes, that is a great question. Um, behind everything I've always done is I've always wanted to help people. I mean, that's just who I am at my core. I just want to help people. I want to inspire them. And I've always said I wanted to be an inspiration you know, to so many people. And I never really quite had a direction of how I was going to do that really ever. You know, I thought my modeling would be or my fitness or my personal training and, you know, and that that's okay. And I, and I do do that in some regard. And so I think I even said this at the beginning of the podcast when like I, when I met this person and we went through all this, like I was not, I was expecting to tell a whole other story. I still had that inspirational, motivational story that I wanted to tell, but I thought it was going to be you know, him and I and growing this business and helping people with the business and doing it like all of that direction. When now it's obviously complete opposite. And I'm now sharing <laughs> all of the shit and struggles that I went through doing that and trying to do that. Um, and so I would say now I, I think this podcast is exactly what my purpose was supposed to be all along. You know, it's helping women it's, you know, letting them know that they're not alone. It's putting, you know, other ideas and thoughts into their minds of how they may be, they may be, or maybe acting like, you know, I've already had so many people being like, you know, I, I want to know how you did that. I want to know how I, like who I am and like, what books should I read and what self-care should I do and what meditations do you listen to? And, and so like, I'm, I know that this, I went through all of that thinking that that was it when really this is it. So yeah. So I think just like what we're doing, honestly, and we've always said we wanted to work together and somehow we've always been trying to figure out a way to do that. It was, we thought it was our yoga and it still can be, you know, but this is our purpose and this is what we are going to be doing for a while. I, I fully believe that. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, personally have always wanted to help people as well. And I've never really been able to figure out a way to do that. I've always just tried to help my family and my you know, close friends and just be there and give them advice and to be there if they need me. Making this podcast has opened my eyes so much to how many women go through similar situations to what you did. Since we launched the podcast, we have had an overwhelming 
outpouring of support and messages from women all around the world telling us about their own personal stories. And, you know, we've even received messages from women on Instagram or in an email that's saying, I'm sitting next to my abuser or my narcissistic boyfriend or my toxic husband right now. And I have kids with him. I can't leave. We have received some absolutely crazy, insane stories. And this has shown me that this is exactly what we need to be doing. Too many women in the world are going through this right now. And they don't know how to leave. They don't know how to get out. And they're probably not even aware that they're being manipulated and being gaslighted or have a trauma bond. These are things that women don't know. They just ex- they just think that this is just their life. And what's worse is that they just accept it, that this is their life. Absolutely. And like I said in the... I just got rid of so much shame that now like uh, no one could say anything about me and I would care. Like I'd be like, sure, tell the world. I don't care. And I, and I personally know so many people that they would shit themselves if like a secret about them got out or, you know, they try so hard to keep stuff bottled in and to themselves and portray like a perfect life and they have no problems. And, and I think this is, me saying, you can talk, you can share, you can say the hard things, you can overcome the hard things, and you don't have to live like you have been living. And in fact, you talking about it, and women talking about it, talking about their experiences Mm -hmm. is extremely healing. You know, saying the words out loud and saying what has happened to you and sharing this with another person that right there is healing. You cannot heal on your own. You know, I feel like it's very difficult to heal on your own if you don't have people to confide in and people to love you and support you and talk you through it. Okay, this might be a hard question for you to answer, and it might be a hard question for me to listen to, but I do want to ask it for everyone out there who is a best friend in the situation or a family member in the situation who doesn't know exactly what to do. As your best friend and your support system, is there anything that I could have done better that would have helped you get out of the situation that you were in? Hmm. I mean, I think you've said it, just maybe pushed harder. But at the same time, if you pushed harder, I don't know what I would have done. So it wasn't like I was sitting there being like, Rachel, please come rescue me. Like, why is Rachel not saying or doing anything for me? You know, I was the one that was making it difficult for you. So, I mean, I guess, you know, and like you said, it was, it was so hard. You not even being in the same country, let alone, you know, the United States. So, you know, had that been the case, Obviously, I wouldn't have ever been in that situation as long as I was if you were even probably in the United States, honestly. It was just yeah. the fact that we were so far away. And and I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe you could have just been like said more of what you said at the very end when you were like, Kayla, he's not the one like this is who he is. This is what I see him doing to you, you know, because like no one told me that no one told me anything. No one was like Kayla. Yeah. I was always 
walking on eggshells and a bit timid around the situation because mm-hmm. I didn't want to upset you and I didn't want to come off as unsupportive or judgmental. You have been so supportive of me in my whole life. Like I can't even think of a single situation that you were like, Rachel, no, you don't need to be doing that. Or I don't think it's a good idea. You've always been behind me 100%. And I just didn't know what to say. And I wasn't there. I definitely didn't know anything that was really happening. I only knew the highlights of your life in LA that it seemed to be doing very well. You were telling me everything from we're going to be going to trip on trips to Bora Bora yeah. to we have all this money coming in and we have a, a huge investments. And, you know, from my perspective, I could not tell what was real and what wasn't real. And I didn't want to come off judgmental. I know what you mean. Like, cause like you aren't there. So it's like, how can you like say something from so far away? So for all the best friends or family members out there that have somebody that they know going through this or a loved one going through this, um, you just going to have to ask the hard questions up front because if you don't, then they might <laughs> get deeper into the relationship. And then you're going to be in a situation like I was where I almost felt like it was too late. Like by the time I was wanting to like seriously talk to you and bring up all the issues and the red flags and everything like it had been a, it had been a long time. And by that point you had sold your car, you were moved in with him. You had quit your job. Like it all happens really, really quickly. And it happened so quickly Mm -hmm. that it all happened. And then I was like, well, wait a second. Holy shit. This is a really bad situation for her to be in, you know? And I questioned you on these things at the time, but I should have been like, okay, so what are you going to do if you want out? Like, what would your plan be? And like, ask you harder questions um, about it. And just to make you think about like the consequences of some of this stuff, rather than you just going along with whatever Mr. Wannabe wanted to say. So that is my advice to anyone listening who has a friend or family member going through this is to not stay quiet. And if you are kind of tiptoeing around the situation like I was, then maybe ask harder questions, find different ways to get the person to open up to you and to talk to you about the situation just so you have more clarity on it because I just trusted you a little too much until it was too late in my eyes, you know? Yeah. And, you know, my advice for that is just maybe come from like a gentle place, a non-judgmental place of like, listen, I'm not trying to, like, if I was asking you, like, I'm not trying to pry or say anything or, or assume, but just like, just know that I'm your support. And if anything goes wrong, like you, like you can tell me, you don't have to you know, again, portray this perfect relationship where nothing's wrong and, you know, you don't tell me anything. So that was just my thing was just like, I was just giving you the broad, the highlights, the broad strokes of this is going on, this is going on. And you're like, well, and I feel like you wanted what's not going right. And I just wouldn't give you that. So yeah, everything was always 100%. Then like you said, yeah. And then it was like, then it was two years. Yeah. Then it was two years later. And it's like, then what do you do? Like, like you said, it's like, um, you're kind of, you're kind of in it now. (laughs) So I can't. And also I feel like it's easy for friends to fall into that trap as well, where they're almost like an enabler, like in the situation, because, you know, 
like not in your case because you never came to me like bitching about Mr. Wannabe. You never came to me telling me, oh, well, you know, he did this and he did that. Like there was none of that going on, which I know a lot of our girlfriends and just women in general will obviously text and bitch to their best friends, as you all should, about your man if they're pissing you off. However, if this continues to happen, don't just let your friend do that for months after months, years after year. I mean, first of all, you're going to grow tired of hearing about it. And secondly, then your friend just has like, you've just allowed this person just to like cross that boundary and just say, oh, well, I'm just going to dump all of my problems onto you. And you're always just going to be there Mm -hmm. for me to like tell you all the bad things that are happening. And then I'll listen to you and then I'll go away and I'm not going to take any of your advice and I'm just going to go back to the situation. That happens right all the time. I mean, we all have mm-hmm. a friend that that has happened to. Luckily, you are not in this situation anymore and you didn't do that because you were so like tight-lipped about everything. However, there's a lot of women who aren't like that and they will post on Facebook and they will post on their stories and then go back to the situation. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're seeing your friend do this, you have got to bring it to their attention and you have got to be like, you are seriously unhappy. How can I help you get out of the situation and like get down to the bottom of it and don't just allow them to continually dump all of their shit on you all the time? Right. All the emotional dumping. There's like a difference between venting and dumping and like, yeah, just like that's, that's an example of dumping for sure. And also we call those people ask holes where they just like, constantly like, what should I do? What should I do? This is happening. And then they don't take any of your advice. I'm like, okay, I'm going to stop giving you any advice because you don't care. You're going to do what you want anyway. So just leave me out of it. And like you said, I didn't do that, but I didn't do that because I couldn't leave. So like, I wasn't going to air my dirty laundry out to everyone and then be like, and I'm still going to stay like da la da da da. So you know, that's, that's the reason I didn't do it. That's like, I was kind of like on purpose. It was like, I can't, I can't say anything because I can't leave. Here's Stacy. Since Kayla has left Mr. Wannabe and we've been back to Oklahoma a few times last year and we've all hang out and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. What's her personality like now? Do you think she's back to her old self? I did. I, I mean, I think even better. I think she's back to her old self, but she is, she's still, she's that driven person. She's back to finding her passion and she's always wanting to do something new and adventurous. And she's an entrepreneur, you know, that's just her whole being like she just is constantly attracting people and positive vibes and like the way she's morphed from this where she had to be this picture perfect picture perfect model everything wife girlfriend whatever you know trophy (laughs) you see her you know her real life through her social media and her open up so much more than she ever did before about um, her past and mental health and very more holistic, much more holistic um, 
wellness that she has about her. But again, you know, she, she doesn't, I'm in Oklahoma. She doesn't live in Oklahoma anymore, but she'll come visit and walks in a room and literally can't, she can't get 50 yards without stopping and talking to somebody. (laughs) She knows more people, you know, than I do (laughs) when we go out. And that's just, you know, that that's her, that's Kayla. She's, she's that socialite. And um, the one everybody wants to be around. Why wouldn't you? She's beautiful and fun and funny and, and kind to everyone. Like, yeah, I love seeing that again. Yeah, me too. She's finally like glowing and she's, I feel like, you know, this making this podcast and everything is just, it's been really therapeutic for her to talk about everything. And I think that through just her and I talking and her telling me the entire story, you know, I'm finally getting all of the details that you and I would text about and be like, what is going on? Like speculating, you know, we speculated for years and we finally have the full story. And it's been kind of amazing to watch the change in her just from even recording, you know, the first episode we recorded, she seemed a bit timid talking about it all and like reliving it. But then the more and more we talk about it, the more she's kind of coming out of that shell. And she's actually been able to see everything that Mr. Wannabe did to her and their relationship and how many lies and deceit and abuse and manipulation there was. I couldn't imagine that it it won't bring out a lot of emotion and memories for her that maybe she can see it from the outside looking in now. Because even just re reliving that moment in the hotel room with you guys, you know, that the emotions that that brings up thinking about that, I can't imagine that that's not going to affect her kind of reliving it now. So I love what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Good for her and everyone else. Um, you know, I've, I've been not nearly what she had to go through, but I've been in an abusive relationship in the past. And when you're living it, you, you just don't see it. It's like, you just, you just can't see what everyone else has seen until you're out of it. Yeah. Here's April. So since Kayla has left him and then she moved to Granny's house in Florida, have you, I know you spent some time with her recently. Have you seen a change in her? Do you think she's back to her normal self? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, Donovan Baeza here, host of the show Donations. The podcast designed to offer up quick bites of motivation, inspiration, validation, and insight. In the simplest way possible, my goal is to shed light on the good and the bad in life, and how there's a lesson to be learned in both, and remind you that you're exactly where you're meant to be. Donations is a space where you can learn to recognize your growth and give yourself the credit you deserve. Subscribe now to Donations, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Yeah, she's opened up a lot more, but right before she, you know, started opening up and like when, right before she left him, me and her, (laughs) and you know this because every, a lot of people got involved in this stupidity, but me and Kayla had our biggest fight we've ever had, like never had a fight so bad that we didn't talk to each other. You know, she never talks about her feelings. 
I can tell she's mm-hmm. mad at my mom for what she did. And she, me and her, again, just have two different upbringings and we have two different sides of what we witnessed with my mom. Like I was there with her 24 seven. I didn't work full time. I wasn't busy. So I could, I was always there with my mom and I know my siblings weren't because they were busy with their lives. They had significant others. And so I, I understand why my mom decided that she did not want to live anymore. And suicide is always talked about as a selfish act, but I know that my mom did it thinking she was helping. And I just had talked to her so much and I, I know what she was thinking. Well, to Kayla, it was sudden and she did it to us and she wasn't doing it for us. And so I can always tell that Kayla was really mad at our mom and she made a post on Father's Day, but also the five-year anniversary of her death. And she said something about, you know, how my mom had mental illness and she put it in quotes and I'll try to sum it up, but I reached out to her and said, I feel like you're making mom look really bad in this post. Like I am very upset and I'm clearly communicating my feelings. And Kayla just goes into attack mode, like just saying how we didn't have the right tools and it's mom's fault that we don't, that she doesn't communicate and our family doesn't communicate. And I'm like, just, I mean, it just got really, really ugly. We were saying very mean things to each other publicly, which I can see myself mm-hmm. doing, but Kayla's never done that. Kayla's a very private person. She would never like show people any drama in her life. And for her to do that was surprising. And I mean, like I said, it's not surprising <laughs> for me. I somehow I'm always in drama and I don't understand why. I just, I just share my feelings mm-hmm. and I'm very open and it just gets me in trouble. So we didn't talk for like two months and it broke my heart. I mean, we did say some pretty nasty things and, um, I planned on going to granny's in Florida and I still hadn't talked to her and I'm about to leave for my trip. Well, right before I left, I get a text message from Kayla saying, Hey sister, I know we have a lot to talk about, but I just want to let you know, I left Mr. Wannabe and I'm moving to Florida. And I mean, there was so much tension and between us and a lot of anger and hurt, that was like one of the greatest sex message I've ever received. Like, I think I actually did cry. I was so happy. I was kind of nervous to see Kayla after our fight we had, but it was so worth it knowing that she was not going to be in California anymore and she was getting out. And so it was just a whirlwind of emotions and me and Kayla, you know, talked, apologized, you know, we've been able to communicate better now. And, you know, she even told me, you know, April, when you said that to me, I took it this way and I got defensive and, you know, I want to communicate better. So she has like, she's talked a lot about mental illness and, you know, this is her own platform. So I would never tell her what to use her platform for. But I've always just noticed, like, she has used her platform in the past. She doesn't make – she's never made my mom look good. There's a YouTube video where she 
cried and said, how could my mom leave four children? And, and who was that crafted and directed by? Mr. Wannabe. Oh, was it? He was filming her, screaming at her to cry. Cry more. Cry harder. Let your emotions out. Let me feel it. Let me hear it. No. He forced her to do that. Not forced. Kayla's going to hear this and she's going to be like, he didn't force me. And that's mm -hmm. true. He didn't force her, but it was all his idea. He pushed her very, very hard to make these videos. That was not her own doing. That was his doing. Wow. I didn't know he was involved in that. I thought it was like somebody else that came and reached out to her. <gasps> it was all Mr. Wannabe. It was all him. I have no idea. That that makes so much sense. It makes sense that a narcissist like that would, yeah. you know, want to uh, twist that story. Capitalize on it as well. Like, yeah. Kayla talks about your mom and your story and your family story in this in the beginning, just to kind of give people some context of what was going on before she met Mr. Wannabe and I think that that has something to say. If you look at both of your lives and your relationships, you know, as, as you said, you weren't that close. You weren't speaking a whole lot, but you guys were honestly living parallel lives. And that comes from like, well, both of you have gone through a bunch of trauma and you were raised in the same household, but raised differently, but you both have the same problems. Yes. You can definitely relate to one another. And with both of you getting away from both of your Mr. Wannabes, then hopefully this brings you together too and leaves you leaves you guys to look out for each other and to know what to look for in the future. Yes. I mean, we've definitely bonded over our terrible men. Like, <laughs> I didn't tell anybody but my brother that I got arrested. And so when I found out she got arrested, that's when I told anybody. Like, I actually told Granny and I told other people that I had no intention of ever telling. I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to share this with anybody. And like, even my own sister, I, years ago, I would have told her that, but I hid it from everybody. And when that happened, I was like, Kayla, this exact same thing happened to mm -hmm. me. And so we've definitely bonded over that. And I can just see that she is you know, her own person again, because when she was in California, I don't feel like it was ever Kayla's life. I felt like it was their life and it was, it wasn't even that it was his life. <laughs> yes. I'm glad to have my sister back and she's Kayla. She's my Kayla, my sissy. I, know, I love her. I always call her sissy. I won't call her anything else. Well, Kay, this has been a crazy, this has been a crazy ride. First of all, I really can't believe that I even made a podcast. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Thank God for YouTube. I want to say mm -hmm. I am so proud of you. Like it literally brings tears to my eyes right now. Like can't believe how much has happened and how much we've gone through even like before the Mr. Wannabe chapter of our friendship. We had previous chapters that were pretty dramatic. So, oh my God, we've just gone through so much. So this has been an amazing project and I'm so proud of you for talking about it. How do you feel after you've just gotten all of this off your chest? You've told the entire world, well, whoever's listening, about everything that's happened to you. I mean, how do you feel? 
It will be the world, by the way. It will. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, like I said, I I feel good. I've I've always wanted to share this. I, but like I said in the beginning, I couldn't share it because it, it involved someone else. It involved someone else's story that I knew didn't want to be out. And so I always felt this, like, I can't say anything because it's not just my story. And so, but now that I don't care and I've, and I, yeah, I want people to know that I struggle, that I've been through a lot of shit. Like I want to be relatable and not held up on this pedestal where people think my life is perfect. So like, I, I want that for sure. And yeah. And I'm so grateful for you for taking the time to do all this. Like, you know, you put so much time and effort into this, um, on top of your full-time job and obviously you're amazing at it. Like this should be your full-time job. (laughs) Um, and just like, thank you for listening without, judging me and always loving me and supporting me and being there for me, my soulmate and my my sister. So you and me forever. This is just bringing us closer, I think. So absolutely. I mean, everything we do every year of our lives, we just get closer. Eventually, (laughs) we're just going to conjoin into one person. I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Andrew. (laughs) Yeah. He'll be in bed with me too. I know. Little does he know when we move. He's going to be like, oh, by the way, Taylor's moving in too. (laughs) I'm not opposed to living in the basement. (laughs) No, girl. No, girl. You're going to get a good room. You're going to get a pole in there and have a great time. Thank you to every person who has listened to all seven episodes. Thank you for sticking with us. As you know, this is very common. This happens to lots of women and it's happened to lots of women that we know. And so we just want to say that we are an advocate for all women. We are here for you. If you ever need to talk, write us an email, send us a message on Instagram. You know, we are not doctors. We are not therapists, but we are here to listen and we are here to help anyone who needs us. And future seasons of It Doesn't End Here is coming soon. And just like the title, It Doesn't End Here, we'll talk. It Doesn't End Here. (laughs) Is that how you look whenever you record that? (laughs) I don't know. I wasn't looking at myself. How did I look? It doesn't. Hold on one more time. Do it for real. Okay. It doesn't end here. (laughs) We're putting all this on the ending. Oh my god. God. Why are we so funny? Oh my god. God. Okay, we thought that was the end, but it's not. All right. Okay, this is really the end now. Okay. Well, it really doesn't end here now. Okay, love you all. Thank you you so much for all of your continued support, and we will see you very soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I want to say thank you to Kayla, Stacy, April, and Denise for participating in this series. Thank you to JT for our amazing music, and huge thank you to all of our listeners for your continued support. As always, I ask you to please share, rate, and review this podcast so we can continue to spread awareness of abusive relationships and let women know that they are not alone. If you or someone you know has a story that needs to be told, 
please email me at info at it doesn't end here podcast.com. It doesn't end here was written, recorded, edited, and produced by me, Rachel Metacroft. Stay subscribed. It doesn't end here. And we'll be back this fall with season two. In the meantime, ladies look out for one another and keep in mind the manipulation tactics we discussed in this season. So you'll know exactly what to do if you encounter your very own Mr. Wannabe.